You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast here for week 14 of the NFL season. Uh, Coop, again, we're, we're quickly approaching playoffs here. We are officially uh, one week away for most. I have seen some Twitter drama of league commissioners that forgot uh, to set their playoff week, and now they have those. Some have a bye this week and no playoffs, but uh, hopefully everybody's good. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things from the very start that we were, we always harp on that the most important thing, I mean, we write articles in our draft guide, anyone that has the, the ultimate kit for us, like we write articles that are just about how to set your league right. You know how to make the settings so that they're good for everything, PPR, trades, all that. And if that mistake happens, man, your commissioner's got to be a little more dialed in. Maybe you, hey, maybe you got to step up and when it's time to vote for the new commissioner and be like, hey, you know what? I got this fantasy alarm package. I got it for the holiday sale. It was 25% off running all the way through January 1st, 2023. So I think I can step up and run this show. So maybe you got to step in there and get all those, you know what I mean? Get those. And if you're not going to be the commissioner, at least put it on the vote block. Get the get those settings that you need. No more standard leagues. No more of these weird waivers that give the first waiver move to whoever's in last place. Like, get it set. Get it right, John. Uh, definitely 100%. So poor one out for those fantasy managers who had a week 14 playoff start this week and Jonathan Taylor is not available to you. Tough go there. But we do have games and teams that are playing. So Coop, why don't we why don't we get into it? We'll go over the news as it comes through in each matchup. Uh, we'll kick it off with the Thursday night football game. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Key news here is Dalvin Cook is officially questionable. The play, you got a limited practice in this week for this game. Adam Thielen is out, and we see Osborne expected to take uh, that spot in the starting lineup for Minnesota. Thoughts here on this matchup in which the we're looking at the Vikings as a home favorite? Yeah, I mean, just the matchup in general, I do still like the Vikings here. I'm not really sold on Big Ben. I'm not sold on – I think that the the Steelers are more of a paper team, whereas I think the Vikings, like, they're a pretty good squad. But, I mean, anyone can win this one when it's minus three at home. So, I mean, just before we get into the fantasy implications of the players, I mean, what do you think about this line? It's so – it's right down the middle, really, I feel. Yeah, three points – three-point home favorite for Minnesota, and you kind of get the idea here is that home teams generally get three points in the books. So it's well, there. Vegas is kind of telling you that these two teams are playing even. I mean, this could very well be an overreaction to Minnesota losing to Detroit last week and Pittsburgh pulling off an, a win there against Baltimore, though. Uh, I blame that one really being a loss on Baltimore than maybe a Pittsburgh win, giving the uh, coaching decision there by Harbaugh. But one thing we know about Pittsburgh is their defense is terrible. So they're, I want to say just real quick, I hate to interrupt, but if they're using the Lions as a measuring stick, the Steelers also tied the Lions this year, 16-16. So it's like, if that was their great measuring stick for this matchup, no wonder they say it's going to be even. Because, I mean, this one was a two-point game. Steelers-Lions was 16 flat. I mean, maybe these teams are kind of frauds, but kind of wild. Yeah, Minnesota's played close clean games all season long. That's kind of been Mm. their thing. So you're right. It it could definitely be an interesting spot to why they have them as a – as close together, like you said, it's a 43 and a half game total uh, here in this one. As, uh, as I was saying, Pittsburgh 25th against the pass, 24th against the run in DVOA. Minnesota's defense is actually cons- for, I guess, a surprising note is that they, this year we generally consider them to be tough. But 29th against the run, not very good. Najee Harris, we'll see what happens there with that bad Pittsburgh offensive line. But while their pass DVOA is 13th, 
they've actually allowed the second most fantasy points to the wide receiving position. So it's like, how, where does the DVOA match up to the fantasy production here? So this could be a big game for Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and the receiving group here in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, I think it's the Vikings are a team that have a few individual really good players on defense. And that's where some of it comes from as you think about those guys. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Eric Kendricks is phenomenal. Patrick Peterson can have his games. Harrison Smith is one of the smartest guys out there. So it's like they can kind of take things away at times. But like you said, it's not a team that you're opposed to running against. So Najee Harris, the guy you start every week. I, I like Deontay Johnson. I like Claypool. Where it gets dicey with this matchup is that you've got so many middle of the pack tight ends out there. Uh, you got to decide tomorrow on Patrick, on Friar Muth and, and on Tyler Conklin. Conklin to me is a guy that I didn't like him because he blocks on so many pass plays. He blocks on more pass plays than any tight end in the league. Volume-wise, he blocks on 18% of his pass plays, and we've seen him block as high as 30%, so it's kind of rough there. But on the flip side, with Thielen out, now there's targets available. I mean, last week— And red zone targets available, too. And especially red zone targets, because, I mean, he was the red zone guy. And you don't—we don't see Osborne stepping into those red zone targets. We don't see the other guy there, D.D. Westbrook, stepping in. So I think that he's definitely a safer play now. He's not this guy that's going to have a monster ceiling, though. So if you have somebody that has a better ceiling, then you got to go that way. But Conklin is pretty safe, so I'm not opposed to it. Then obviously you start Jefferson, you start Alexander Madison. I, I mean, are you going KJ Osborne anywhere? Or is he just a yeah? DFS I mean, guy? listen, if you're in a spot where you had to replace Thielen, think about it, right? You're a week away from the playoffs at this point. Waiver wires are probably pretty thin. Osborne was actually rostered in some leagues that I was already in. He wasn't even available on the waiver wire. So if he was out there, for sure you picked him up. If you were a Thielen manager, and you're probably starting him this week, so. Yep, I'm there with you. It, it's a he goes in that category. I think we, I like to call it back against the wall, right? If your back's against the wall, you need somebody. This is a guy that has upside. He's got, he's gonna get the snaps. So. Yep, 100% there. Next matchup, we'll start off here to the Sunday games. We have Dallas going up against Washington. The Washington football team is a four-point home underdog. This game has a 48. Game total for me, and I talked about this on a Series XM uh, Fancy Alarm Show with Howard Bender and Jim Bowden this this afternoon. Is take a look at the Washington Football Team's current four game win streak, and more importantly, take a look at the carries that Antonio Gibson has gotten during that four game win streak. And I think it's pretty telling that when Washington came out of the bye, they looked at their team, they looked at their season, they're like, "What are we not doing right? What are we not doing enough of?" And they weren't running the football. They were not giving the football to Antonio Gibson nearly enough. They came out of that bye against Tampa Bay at home, and they had that 10-minute closeout drive there in the fourth quarter that basically kept Tom Brady off the field and secured their win. And during those stretch of games, the carries now for Gibson have really, I think, been the story to their success. 24 carries against Tampa Bay, 19 against Carolina, 29 against Seattle, 23 against Las Vegas, four straight wins for the Washington football team, all on the legs, the shins, whatever you want to call it there, of Antonio Gibson. And even the last two weeks now, 12 12 receptions on 13 targets. J.D. McKissick missed last week due to concussion. Uh, he was seen on the practice field, but he hasn't been cleared out of concussion protocol quite yet. But I think Washington realized that hey, we're going to win football games, not by letting Hineke be a quarterback that he really isn't suited to be. He's not the spread him out, throw down field guy. He's a conservative passer that can check down, throw underneath, and then with the running game, 
set up the big planetary McLaurin or yeah, something I, like that. So well, I'm glad that you po- you pointed out that this started before the McKissick injury because it you're right. You said it all right there that it truly did that this team when they realized that they could take over the game running the football as they have that started while McKissick was still there. McKissick was basically the guy that was designated as the two minute drill guy, the pass down guy, and when they started like really winning these games with the run game, as we've seen the Patriots do two weeks in a row now, they just lean on the guy who's best at that. So that was already happening. And now with McKissick out, it's locked in. But I think that even McKissick was healthy in matchups where they're going to be winning, he was going to be the guy. Now he's got to be the guy no matter what, which makes it a little easier for fantasy gamers. But I'm just glad that you pointed out that this started before the injury. Like, yeah, it was already a trend. It was, yeah. I mean, listen, McKissick played uh, week 12 against Seattle. He got hurt there at the very end. But in that game, gets out 29 for 111, and he had seven catches in that game. And again, um, McKissick didn't get hurt until like the final drive or two there in, in that spot. So for me, that's the notable um, story out of this matchup. I know you probably have a lot to say about Zeke and Pollock. Yeah, I will. Before that, I'll just, we'll wrap up the, I just want to wrap up Washington yeah, by saying, sure. if you need a tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones is back practicing Logan Thomas is out. He, they robbed us of a great John and Pemba contrarian contrarian call for DFS with the Logan Thomas call there by the dirty shot that took uh, Logan Thomas He did Thomas score a touchdown before he went out, though. Yeah, he was top five tight end, even though he missed half the game. So I, that's what I'm saying is that's how they robbed us, man. We were on our way to number one tight end, man. We were. Uh, so, you know, but they robbed us there. If Ricky Seals-Jones isn't a full go or even has a setback with the hip, John Bates could be a pivot, but I mean, it's for me, it's you start Ricky Seals Jones this week if he's a full go. And if not, then you try and find somebody else. You've, t- you've talked about this on Twitter, and it's been pointed out numerous times by probably every analyst at this point, but no tight end schedule is better than what they have Dallas, Philadelphia, Best. Dallas, Philadelphia. So rounds uh, one and the championship round for your tight end for Washington is the worst team by far in the NFL against the tight end in the Philadelphia Eagles. So the potential there outstanding for Ricky Seals Jones or a Bates, if you're willing to go in that direction, anything else here on the Washington side before we talk about Dallas? Yeah. I mean, just to point out the Eagles, how bad it's been, like not even just great tight ends. I mean, that's what tricked everyone starting Foster Moreau this week is that was the one game where he had six targets and six catches was against the Eagles. And it turns out that it's not because Foster Moreau is just amazing or he's Darren Waller or even half Darren Waller. It's the Eagles are just brutal against that position. They just don't have the right personnel. So that's where I'm at. But yeah, let's hit the Cowboys. For me, Ezekiel Elliott, he says he's getting healthier every week. And if his usage is what it is, so I don't expect it to change. So I'm starting Zeke. Wherever I have him, I'm starting Tony Pollard wherever I need him, right? And then beyond that, I'm starting Amari Cooper. I'm starting CeeDee Lamb. And then Gallup is another guy, a back-against-the-wall type guy, where if you don't have anybody else or you don't like your other matchups, you start him. But, I mean, that's the thing about this team. Dalton Schultz played 67 to 70 snaps. He's a guy you're starting, too. So it's like you kind of know that this is an explosive offense that does a lot of things, but not everyone can do it every week. You're just hoping it's your guy from week to week. Right. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, that's the situation with this team is that you want pieces of it because of the upside, but you go into it knowing you, you don't want a team. That's just all the Cowboys. You're just hoping it's your Cowboys from week to week. Right. Yeah. This is a kind of an interesting spot this week too, because there's actually pretty solid value in DFS on the, Cowboy side of things this week. Uh, Dak is under $7,000. Amari Cooper's 59. Gallup's 55. Uh, Lamb's over 7K, but I mean, getting exposure to this passing tag against Washington and DFS is pretty cheap. It's about whether or not you can trust and rely on them to be 
productive and which ones will be productive. That's what makes your job so hard as a contrarian guy, right? Because you got to decide if you want to go lamb when other people are going to be saying, oh, why would I go lamb if he's just much more expensive? It's like, where's the money going to fall? Where's the ownership going to fall? You got a tough job in that, in that contrarian corner, John. I will. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it together as a team. <laughs> Next matchup here, Jacksonville Jaguars going into Tennessee to face the Titans. Titans are an eight and a half point favorite in this one, a 43 and a half game total. Uh, story here is the return of Julio Jones and whether or not we are going to buy into Julio Jones, if we believe in Julio Jones, uh, because there's no A.J. Brown. There's still no Derrick Henry, obviously. There are number one targets where Westbrook Akine, Chester Rogers, Des Fitzpatrick. Julio being back in this spot against Jacksonville is a lot of people kind of being like, ooh, Julio Jones. Do you trust Julio Jones, though, here, Coop? I, dude, I have such a hard time with Julio Jones, especially because, like, with the film stuff, it's so tough. Because I, I'll see a clip of Julio Jones practicing, and I'm like, who is – he just always looks like this big, fast monster no matter what to me. Well, and then David Chow is just – he'll say something like, oh, looks like he's opening up on the hamstring or whatever. And I'm like, Chow, what are you talking about, dude? Like, this guy, like, he looks amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I – that's why I'm like, I don't know. But you're right. He does get hurt. He's always a risk. He's got the – the floor of zero, which we we have to say, but at the same time, it's like at any given time, he could be Julio Jones. He's one of those guys where if he gets zero, you'll say that makes sense. Or if he gets yeah. 170 yards, you'd be like, that makes sense. So yeah, we're being a, tricked, right? Like he's going to have a full practice all week. He's going to go through pregame warmers perfectly fine. And then the first actual route that he runs in a game, he's going to plant the foot into the ground. He's going to go to burst off and like the ham he's going to go, the groin's going to go. The foot's going to go. All these issues that he's had this over the course of his last few years are just going to are always a threat. But I mean, there's really, you know, few better matchups for him. And the fact that there's so few tar, top end receivers on this Tennessee team, uh, I think is going to be uh, a spot that people are going to be itching just sort of the throw him in their lineup. So he's um, going to plant uh, he's going to plant that foot and explode. <laughs> for either for he'll, his body will explode or it'll explode for like a 70 yard touchdown. The Liz Frank yeah. will explode or the, uh, you know. <laughs> or the touchdown as well. Yeah. He'll explode one way or another. So, I yeah. mean, you just got to have to know that risk going in, like look at your matchup, look at your lineup and, and say, do I need like the, am I going to lose if this guy gets five points or not? Like, do I need a 20 game from someone? If, if so, go with Julio. If your team is a wagon and you're the team that's likely going to win anyway, like you're a dynasty team that just needs five or six or seven points with somebody, then go with somebody else because they're a safer place. So, so you got to look at your own matchup and decide if you need the huge variance or whether you're comfortable, which is the, the safest possible play, because the safest possible play is not Julio Jones, right? Yeah. What do you think of the running game here, Hilliard and Foreman? I mean, from what we've seen, right, we have a pretty good idea of what they want to do. Donta Foreman a little more in the run game, but Hilliard in the pass game, I think with a matchup with the Jaguars, you prefer Foreman, right? I mean, what do you think, John? It's kind of tough because they, Hilliard did get some run game too. And like our brains tell us, we want the guys playing pass snaps because mathematically that's always been the case. But when it's a team like this, yeah. I mean, what, what was the spread again? It's eight and a half. It's a 43 and a half game total. I think a lot of people are looking at the yardage that Hilliard got the other day. Both of them ran for over 100 yards against New England. New England could not stop the run. Hilliard had like the 70 yard run, though, going into halftime that made up the majority of his yardage. Now, it's not that he wasn't running well before, but Foreman was sort of the lead back, Ryan back there. Foreman also fumbled the football in that game, but Hilliard also turned it over as well. It kind of got Foreman back in there. I think Foreman is the lead back, and I think as they run down clock, 
And I mean, they get in the red zone, he'll be the one with the football. Yeah, I mean, if you're picking between the two, I think I'd go with Foreman. But I don't think either is a bad option because this team ran the ball 13 times for Hilliard, 19 times for Foreman against the Patriots, right? So mm-hmm. against the Jaguars, I would not be surprised at all if they both had double-digit touches, which in this economy, double-digit touches against a bad team, that's pretty good. So I wouldn't rule either guy out for your lineup. It's just like if you're picking between the two and you have to pick one, I would go Foreman, just like John was saying. Is there anybody on Jacksonville that you want? No, man. Uh, I guess James O'Shaughnessy. It, I mean, it's just a bad matchup for O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, it's not a good too. matchup, right? It's not a bad matchup. But, I mean, it, if I had to go with somebody, the other thing we have to mention is that Carlos, uh, James Robinson got benched for a fumble, essentially, mm-hmm. and so many people came out in defense of him, right? Even Lawrence Taylor, there's quotes from him where he said, I think that he's a huge part of this team. I want to see him on the field. I talked to the coaches and management. They agree. I think we're all on the same page. So I think that tells us that James Robinson, if you're in a pinch, he's going to be the guy that's going to be playing more. Don't have to worry too much about this split unless he fumbles again. And then Urban Meyer can turn around and say, I told you so. But I think that this game was a little bit of a fluke in that term. So maybe James Robinson. I don't know, John. Do you trust it? Uh, maybe if they use him on the passing game, there could be some value there. But I'm pretty much not in on anybody. Lacan Treadwell lately has been starting to get some <laughs> catches. He replaced Chark, and then he replaced uh, who else? Who recently got Chanel yeah. moved to the slot because Jamal yeah, yeah, Agnew yeah. got hurt and then Chanel moved in the slot. And then Chanel's basically this year's version. Uh, he's like their Christian Kirk where they keep he knows the playbook. So they keep moving him around into the tougher roles or just moving him around all over the place. And he's just not getting comfortable. So Chanel is just a guy I can't possibly trust right now. I agree with you. Going over to the next matchup here, uh, we have the Seattle Seahawks going into Houston to face the Texans are getting seven and a half points. Only a 41 and a half total this one. I think encouraging two straight weeks now to with double digit touchdowns for Russell Wilson. Tyler Lockett is looking better. DK Metcalf last week had an okay game. Not great, but you know, not better than the one catch uh, for was it 13 yards that he had that won me a league the week before. Plus their running game is abysmal. The fact that they had a sign Adrian Peterson, they're giving Rashard Penny 10 carries. Collins is hurt. Uh, the matchup against Houston is favorable. I think this is a week that that passing offense just explodes. Yeah, I mean, this is the spot for it, right? This is the get right game uh, where it's I know that they're probably fairly close to being mathematically eliminated. But I think this is a week where if you're Russell Wilson, you want to just go out and kick some ass. So yeah. I think that it's a good week to start the consolidated players. I know Alex Collins is supposed to be going here. you trust any of the running backs here, no, John? Or I know one of them's probably going to get a red zone t- touch. It could very well be Adrian Peterson. Could be Collins. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't, I don't. The second Adrian Peterson is signed to a team, that's when you just say, okay, you just drop everybody on the team. Yeah, he's he's getting the red zone carries and he's not even really good at it, but like they're just hoping the old man falls forward and he scores. Yeah, just a mess, man. And Gerald Everett is a guy that if you have to, this is supposedly a good matchup. But what happens a lot of times here, it's kind of like the lines effect where teams just beat up on this team so bad that they don't even feel like throwing. I mean, like last week it was over pretty quick. I think everyone liked Jack Doyle and I was like, Jack Doyle play such a small percentage of the pass plays that he plays like half of them. And sure enough, they only throw 20 times. He runs nine routes. Like that's right. the situation with this team is that they'll probably just beat up on the Texans so that they don't have to throw much. So Everett is, it hurts him. I mean, 
if this turns into a shootout, it'll be amazing for him. But I just don't think it will. So nah, David Mills is not going to turn this one into a shootout. Let me let me tell you that one. No, anybody in Houston? Do we, are, you, are you done with the Brevin Jordan experiment here? Jamal yeah, Adams yeah. is going IR today, but I mean, I know, man. The Seahawks are definitely a place to start tight ends, but he didn't. Brevin Jordan didn't play enough snaps for me. Yeah, like I, I care about. It's like I care about the snaps first. Like if you're somehow getting targets without snaps. Then we start looking at that equation. But if you don't even have the snaps, if you don't have the targets or the snaps, I mean, you got nothing for me. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not getting in there. But I mean, Brandon Cooks, right? Yeah, Again, it's probably another, it. another guy. Next matchup, Las Vegas versus Kansas City. This was the matchup. I think it was it five of the last six weeks. Patrick Mahomes has given you 15 or less fantasy points. The one matchup where he gave you more was against Las Vegas when he threw for 405 and five touchdowns. So is it that Las Vegas is that bad? Is it that Kansas City figured something out that week? They're nine and a half point home favorites here. They beat Denver, but they didn't look good doing it, right? Like that wasn't a good game for them. Mahomes again struggled. I mean, you can't sit any of these guys, but like you kind of want to. Teams are losing their playoffs hopes by playing like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey every week. Like who would have thought? Yeah, you can't sit them. You have to start all three of those guys, Tyreek, Mahomes, Kelsey, like even if you have another tight end, Kelsey's probably your best slot player right. unless you're playing in you know a league where it's a eight or ten man league and you don't really need the level of advice that we offer on this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, or, so, or you're one of those few that like you know we always kind of yell at. And it's like, oh, you took Kelsey in the second round, but then you took Hawkinson in the fifth. Like you know those people, and then it works out here. But no, agreed. Right. Yeah, it's like, and the thing is, man, about some of these plays is that if you bench Travis Kelsey, you're going to feel so stupid when he right. goes off. It's just, this is the second worst team in the league versus the tight end. So it's, you have don't really have a whole lot of excuses for yourself. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge gambling guy. I do look at it a ton for fantasy football purposes, but that nine and a half line seems a little big, man. I mean, I just feel like division games are usually it was nine bit- and a half last week against Denver, too. I would say the one difference here is that Carr can throw the football a little bit better than Bridgewater mm. can. Um, so yeah. maybe that makes it easier for this game to stay close. And maybe the line changes if it turns out Waller can play. I mean, we haven't gotten the Thursday the Thursday update yeah. here because Waller doesn't practice on Wednesday, but he he would never practice on this Wednesday. He's a you know veteran. Like he probably wouldn't practice on this Wednesday if he was healthy. So it's like we'll see tomorrow what happens there and if that changes at all. But yeah, I mean Vegas is definitely down some pieces. No Kenyon Drake, no Waller. Obviously Rugs gone. So there's not a whole lot exciting on that offense. I know we like Renfro full PPR. Definitely start Hunter Renfro. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, over 100 yards last week as well was was great. So uh, definitely go ham. And hey, listen, Jacobs has been looking really good. And Drake went down with the season-ending injury. So all aboard the Josh Jacobs train here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I Like the, the Kenyon Drake tweets, I get what he's saying with the way he's tackled. And I understand that there was a rash of injuries that prompted the horse collar tackle. If you, anyone remembers, it was like yeah. Michael Vick went down and then the – trail- that was the big one, yeah. So Terrell was they all this whole they had the whole clip with the Owens and the Vic getting tackled with the horse collar, and they did that. But I'm just not sure how you can say, hey, stop putting your weight on this guy. You know what I mean? And taking him down that way, like you know, outlaw tackling people from behind. Yeah. It's like so I don't know what Drake wants there, but I get it. He's frustrated, but I just don't think that particular tackle could be outlawed because that's a lot of the tackles, and it's so. That, I just wanted to say a little something on that. Get well soon, Kenyon. Yep, for sure. And going on over to the next matchup, we have the Saints versus the Jets. Alvin Kamara is going to be playing this one. Uh, Mark Ingram is out. 
or he's at least on the COVID list. We think he's going to be out. We'll have to wait and see how he tests there. But Kamara practice, good to go. The question, of course, I was asking is like, well, how does Kamara fare now with Taysom Hill? At quarterback, you know, there was a lot of worry about that going into the year. We saw, obviously, last season, some of the impact that Taysom had on Alvin Kamara. But this is the, the, one of the best matchups on the board for running backs. The Jets have allowed the league most touchdowns to running backs. So this is a, a spot where you just you, you play your guys here. You're playing Alvin Kamara. You're going to play Taysom Hill. Receivers, Callaway and, and Traquan Smith, now that Deontay Harris is suspended. So that's the option. Yep. That's yeah, it's pretty easy. You can't really touch the tight ends. I mean, even though Vinette played more snaps, he only ran 16 routes. Juwan Johnson ran 21 routes, but he only played 24 snaps. So you can't be running 21 routes when they have 48 pass plays or whatever it was. So can't touch those guys. But the guys you mentioned, use them where you got to. Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway, if you had to pick one, John. Traquan for me. Yep, me too. He's just been he's got better deployment. I think he's got better rapport. I think you're right there. So then on the Jets side, right, with no Corey Davis, he's got the, the core injury. So how are you feeling about this team? How do you feel about any of the options here? I think because what we worried a little bit about was like our quarterback change. How is he going to perform? Well, the two weeks that they've had Zach Wilson, he's gotten 20 targets. He had 10 catches. He had a touchdown last week. And then you're just looking at just the target share overall has been tremendous. The snap share, three straight weeks, over 80% offensive snaps played as well. This is a tanking team that is giving their young guy all the opportunity to grow and be the center point of the offense. Him and Wilson are connecting here. So, yeah, it's Elijah Moore for me 100%. Yep, I'm right there with you. I mean, the thing about Jamison Crowder, he'll play the snaps, but... He's just not, he's such a low A dot guy. He doesn't have the explosiveness, so he just really crushes the ceiling. I do want to see Denzel Mims play, but I need to see him play first. Mm-hmm. We just lost Corey Davis, but I'm excited to see it. And then for the running back, you at least they're, they're playing. They're playing the Saints. You don't play any of them, of course. But I will say that we have been getting a, def, a defined split where t- it's Tevin Coleman on rundowns and then Ty Johnson on the pass downs. It's pretty. It seems pretty clear. Ty Johnson was asked to pass block last week. 23 times 23 times oh sorry he was played 23 pass plays sorry about that yeah. i thought it was pass block sorry my fault on that. that is wild he played 20 he played 23 snaps and tevin coleman only played 10 right so he's playing double the pass snaps of tevin coleman so in this instance if i was just completely pressed and had to start one it would obviously indefinitely be ty johnson because <laughs> you don't run tevin coleman's the guy that runs so Play it that yep. way moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, all right, let's go over to the next matchup here. We have Atlanta versus Carolina coming off the bye. CMC officially out for the year, so it's back to the Chuba Hubbard experiment. Uh, Cam Newton still at quarterback. Atlanta not looking good at all. Their Corral Patterson's probably the only viable option on their team. But what are you making of Carolina's offense here with Cam Newton? Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore, it's so difficult to not – get him in there like i i have a hard time looking at the name and not putting him in there but it's yeah i mean it's just it's tough i mean dj moore's guy you're starting pretty much everywhere john or how do you feel yeah you know what i like the target share it's or or at least i like the targets right like you know it's what he does with those targets that's dependent on where cam newton's putting the bat the football but 10 targets last week he hasn't had less than seven any week this season depending on it doesn't really matter how the quarterback like they're just kind of throwing to him so mm-hmm. this is a matchup against Atlanta where he's another one where he's right in the mid-tier in DFS on DraftKings. 
And I'm like, I wonder where, who would be playing DJ Moore this week against Atlanta. The, the recent memory of Cam Newton probably fresh in people's minds, but it could be a sneaky game, I think, for him. And maybe he appears in the uh, the contrarian corner video this week. Yeah, I mean, it could be a good week for him. I mean, he had 100 yards last week, only caught four balls. But, I mean, just imagine if he caught more than that. And then Robbie Anderson, for me, is now – he's fallen into the same category as Cortland Sutton for me, where I'm like, now I'm no longer looking at that name and being like, I got to start this guy. I'm looking at it, and I'm being like, how can I find someone else to start? Because just – Having multiple games in a row with less than two catches, it's just, it's pretty ugly. I know, sorry, I know he had, I had five and four in there, but it's the games with one, zero, three. That's kind of tough. I mean, last game he had one catch for 15 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, it, now, I will say, and I guess I'm curious how they'll use Chuba or if they'll use like Amir Abdullah. I think I saw the passing down work that McCaffrey was getting in this offense when he was healthy was huge. Mm, right. Like yeah. he was getting a ton of targets, getting a ton of receptions. That's now gone. I don't think they're just going to start throwing to Chuba 15 times. So maybe Anderson gets more looks because of the fact that McCaffrey's gone. Yeah, Abdullah did get it. I know I looked at it before. He got 25 pass snaps and Chuba only had seven. So they did like Abdullah in that pinch. But again, Abdullah. Now they've had a bye week to prepare and set a game plan and. And whatnot there. But you still don't throw it to Abdullah the way you throw it to McCaffrey. No. uh, And also it's. Definitely more of an RPO offense now. Um, and, and you know that the good news is that you don't have Ian Thomas. Like Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, those guys, they aren't really hugely competitive. So at least that if it's going to go anywhere and it's going to go to those two guys, it's just a matter of how well it's going to be thrown. Yep, agree. All right, next matchup, Baltimore versus Cleveland, a game we saw a couple weeks ago that was ugly from pretty much all fantasy perspectives here. And I still sort of feel the same way. I don't really want to play anybody in these games. I know, obviously, if you have a Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson, Freeman, Andrews, like you're playing those guys. You're obviously playing Chubb and Hunt on the other side. But like two and a half point spread, a 42 game total. I think these two teams just played to, what, 27 points or something like that a couple weeks ago. It's It's going to be an ugly one. Yeah, I for Baltimore, the Baltimore side, I just this has always been the thing I've hated about this team. John Harbaugh just likes using a ton of different personnel packages. So you get games like the one we had, the one we had last where it's like only one wide receiver plays a huge chunk of the snaps. And then Mark Andrews plays a bunch. And then after that, it's all split between Devin DuVernay. Patrick Ricard played more snaps than Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman. So it's like, that's a fullback. And it's like Eric Tomlinson's playing 25 snaps. When he's healthy, Nick Bowill plays a bunch. It's just, I hate the way they spread it around. For me, I'm starting Marquise Brown. I am starting Devonta Freeman because he's playing a ton. And I'm starting yep. Mark Andrews. And after that, I don't trust anybody. So yep. not really uh-huh. starting Bateman. I agree. And there's nobody, like I said, there's really nobody on Cleveland. Yeah, maybe. Um, oh, well, Austin. So Austin Hooper became interesting because David and Joku and and Harris Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, Harris they Bryant. both ended up in the, the protocol there. If they are both out, then Austin Hooper is a guy. This is a good matchup for him. Sure. You can get him in there in places where you're missing guys. You know, if you're yep. missing Waller, if you're missing whatever. But yeah, like you said, John, beyond that, it's just going to be a dirty game. Yep. Giants Chargers next game here, four o'clock slate. This one interesting because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams landed on the COVID IR today. Now, Mike Williams is apparently just on as a close contact. It is not that he has tested positive. Keenan Allen, I guess, has tested positive, but where does he? He is vaccinated, so he'll just need the two negative tests in the 48 hour 
uh, span to be active here. Chargers are giving 10 at home to the Giants. Giants are going to be on their third quarterback. Jake Fromm expected to start for the Giants this week with Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon out due to injury. From this game perspective here, uh, a lot can change from what we're talking about now till Sunday, depending on who is in, who is out who's starting, who's not starting. So there, there's a lot of things to glean from how this one finishes out the week. Yeah, this one could get weird because, again, both guys, yeah, they technically by Friday could both be back, but Keenan Allen and yeah. Mike Wilson. And that's why I said the Thursday night starts are tough because, like, Tyler Conklin fits right in that range where you might want an Austin Hooper or a Jared Cook with Noah missing all these other guys, but you don't know. And you're not I got that know. exact question on the waiver wired podcast with Chendi today was, do you start Tyler Conklin on Thursday or do you wait for Jared Cook on Sunday? And I said, there's no way you wait for Jared Cook because if Allen and Williams play, Cook is very much downgraded in this offense. Where if they don't play, obviously he's a great play, but you it's you gotta you don't have that information. So unless you get that information by tomorrow, right. you're playing Conklin. So Exactly. And the only information that we would get that would change your mind tomorrow is information that those wide receivers are back. Like, obviously, for Mike Williams, we wouldn't get it. But, I mean, Keenan Allen could have his second negative test tomorrow, and then he's back, and then you're mm-hmm. starting Conklin. So I think you got it right there, John. You just start – unless you start Conklin, unless you need the Hail Mary. But, I mean, Jared Cook isn't – at this age, isn't really a guy that's going to go out and drop a 200-yard game or even 150 or even 100 yards in general. So Yeah, I mean, um, that's rare for tight ends in – Anyways, but you did have a tweet today uh, about how often he's lining up as wide receiver. It's a good so. amount. Yeah, it's a good amount. And I think that if any, if even if just one wide receiver is out, like he's going to pick up some snap. So Cook, he's fine. But, you know, it, it, it's just with Thielen out, it doesn't make it that much different. If Thielen was playing, then it would be easier for me to say, well, yeah, wait on Cook. But in this case, Conklin's going to look all right. So if you had to pick between those two, I'd go that way. Yeah, uh, but uh, we're going to do what, the thing. Good thing is we're going to be doing our start sit show on Sunday. So if anybody wants to jump in on the live stream there, we'll have all the information possible and we'll be able to give you a much better indication. It's just these Thursday games are tough. I'll at least be there. We'll see if Coop's there. Oh, my God. Come <laughs> on. I'll be back. You know, I did the Thursday stream last week, so I did something. All right. Uh, so if they're out, Guy Eaton and Palmer obviously are the, are the other guys to step in here. Yeah, they are for sure, and I'm just not interested enough in those two guys. I mean, Guyton's a field stretcher. Palmer is – he profiles as a uh, contested catch possession guy, and they just, those guys take time to develop in this league. So I think it's just going to be a run-heavy game. It's going to be a lot of a lot of tight ends. It's just not going to be – it's not going to be the dream situation you want for Jalen Guyton or Josh Palmer. Just give you a heads up there. Then on the Giants side, typically this would be a good matchup and situation for Evan Ingram, but with the Jake Brom at quarterback – it's very difficult to start any of these guys. I think Engram is one that does interest me the most just because he's tight end eligible. But, I mean, I don't know how you trust Kenny Galladay or Darius Slayton or any of those guys. I'm yeah, starting no. Saquon. So, so it's Saquon for me, right? 32nd in DVOA of the Chargers. And it's not necessarily that I think Saquon's going to, like, get 25 carries here. They might just say, all right, from your job here today is to hand the ball off to Barkley till, till his legs give out or something like that, which could be beneficial in a matchup against the Chargers. But the last three weeks, he's had 16 targets, sorry, 16 receptions on 20 targets has Saquon Barkley. So you're talking about short conservative passing games, dub offs to the tight end, screen passes to the running back, but they could also get him some volume 
carrying the football here as well. I think that's probably maybe their best bet to try to control this game is to run the football. So yeah, I think Barkley could be a little bit sneaky this week as well. I don't think anybody's going to be looking to play this Giants offense with Fromm there, but the the Chargers are also notoriously bad against covering the spread at home. So maybe this is also a game where the Giants surprise and maybe they play a little bit, a little bit better. So I will see. Jake Fromm was a good college quarterback. I mean, I know a lot of guys are good college quarterbacks. They come into the NFL and they aren't, but just kind of throwing, we've seen wilder things happen, right? Trevor Steen has won won football games in this league. So anything or anything there is possible. Next matchup that we have on the cards, we have Detroit Lions going up against the Denver Broncos here. Melvin Gordon returned to practice much to the dismay of all of the Javante Williams managers here, because this would be a great matchup. Again, on a game where I look at it, and I just like shrug my shoulders. I don't really want much exposure to anybody, really, I guess. Maybe a Swift is active, but like it's Detroit, it's Denver. It's not, it's not great. Yeah, it's not, man. And what sucks about it is that TJ Hawkins has a brutal schedule, right? The Cardinals, this matchup, like, the Denver Broncos are just as tough as the Cardinals, if not the most tough team versus the tight end. He's going to see a lot of Justin Simmons, which is just no good. Sometimes you can get away with it against the Broncos when there's a lot of pass catching options. But for a guy like Hawkinson, they're just going to lock him down. So really tough situation. I will say one thing quick that I did tweet about. I'm always the one that's quickest to bash on my Ross St. Brown. So I got to give him props where it's due for his fancy value that he has in the last two weeks, as we talked about a lot, I don't want to get too far into it because we talked about many episodes, but you want guys that play slot in three wide sets, but then move to flanker for two wide. In the last two weeks, Amon Ra has done that. He's played 15 and 22 snaps out wide, which, I mean, he was playing almost 90% of his snaps in the slot and coming out of the game for two wide sets. So now it's him and Josh Reynolds on the outside. Khalif Raymond comes in and plays the outside but that moves Amon Ra to the slot. So Raymond's the one playing the limited snaps now. So if you're desperate or just looking for DFS stabs, it's Josh Reynolds or Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are the two guys, the only two that are playing full snap shares on this team. So that's just DFS and, and like crazy deep leagues though. Like you can't rely on these guys otherwise against yeah, the Broncos. It's a tough spot uh, for them for sure. So, yeah. and, and as I said, on the flip side, Denver, like you're playing Javon D. Williams and you're playing Melvin Gordon. If you have them, it just, it sucks that they're back to just splitting time. So yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you one last question on this game, John. What, what are you doing? Cause I, I just have, I don't know what to do here. What are you doing with Cortland Sutton, man? Obviously this is roster dependent, but I'm not really looking to play him. Uh, I said mm-hmm. this last week as well. It's tough to look at this and see the conservative passing and see, I mean, even Judy is like not playing well, right? Like, and it's not their fault. It's just the, the quarterback. Bridgewater is limiting them greatly. They're not throwing down field at all. So yeah, listen, unless you should be looking for anybody else, right? Like right. Somebody actively else trying there, to find someone. Yeah, okay. Actively trying to find somebody that is getting more targets and a better offense. I mean, we're looking at now four straight weeks, five straight weeks. So it's four straight weeks of two catches and you had a one catch game in there as well. So I mean like not good. So yeah, I'm out of here. I mean, you know, there's no reason that Sutton Sutton's in your lineup at this point unless you have nobody else. So and maybe this is an option for you now. I know waiver waivers have already passed, so likely if he was available, you picked him up already. But T. Higgins, this is San Francisco, Cincinnati. It's 48 and a half total. Cincinnati is getting a, a point at home. Uh, T. Higgins did not practice on Wednesday. Tyler Boyd certainly had an up and down season, but in the two games that T. Higgins missed earlier this year, he had 17 targets, 13 catches. And then in, I think it's like four of the last six games, he's had at least seven targets as Tyler Boyd. So this is a spot where 
I'm sure Boyd has, has, could be available in some leagues because of his inconsistent production this year. But if Higgins ends up missing this game, Tyler Boyd becomes a very interesting going up against San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. This team runs a hugely consolidated uh, snap share, right? It's the same three wide receivers, CJ Uzoma and Joe Mixon. So as soon as you pull one piece out of there, that brings the targets down into into a funnel there. So I'm definitely interested. I like that call a lot. And I guess it's there's probably too many options out there, oddly enough, to start a CJ Uzoma. But if there's no Higgins, that was the big game that we saw from him, right? The one time that Higgins was out, he caught six passes. He had two touchdowns. So it's or you know that was the game where he caught six balls. So, I mean, that could be the one time you sneak a Uzoma in there if you're in one of these like leagues where you can only start a guy once each year or if it's like a you know, DFS or something like that. But, yeah, you can't really trust a guy like that in a normal lineup. But with Higgins out, that is a time to sneak him into. Yep, I agree there. Anybody on the opposite side of this matchup for you, San Francisco is down to Jermichael Hasty and then a bunch of random guys they brought in for tryouts today at running back. Elijah Mitchell apparently went in for an MRI on his knee as well today. And Shanahan you know, said that there was something that showed up. I'm trying to find the exact quote, uh, but it wasn't good apparently. So Mitchell may be gone. Wilson's also injured. And Hasty is like the last man standing here. Yeah, that's that is strange. I mean, it's like there's a lot of smoke out there of people saying no way Elijah Mitchell plays and all the signs kind of point to that. So, uh, you know, I got the quote right here from Schefter, actually. He was not only in the concussion protocol, Elijah Mitchell also had an MRI on his knee that came back and showed what Kyle Shanahan termed as irritation. So mm-hmm. can't imagine being concussed and having a bad knee means you're playing this weekend. Right. Yeah, it could be rough. So. You got to play it by ear. If he's playing, then there's not a lot of guys that have get the tar- that get the snap share and get the attention that he gets. But if he's at, I mean, if he's if they even suggest that he's not going to be unlimited snaps, you probably got to try and look elsewhere. So. Yeah, I agree with you uh, 100% there. So, all right, next matchup that we have on the scat to tap here, we have Buffalo versus Tampa Bay. This is the best matchup right here. Easily going to be the highlight of the weekend. Listen, we, we we just watched New England throw three pass attempts against Buffalo and beat them. And now poor Buffalo has to travel down into Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Tom Brady has thrown 20 touchdown passes at home this season. A completely different game plan that they're going to be up against this week. Evans, Godwin, Gronk, 53.5 game total. Tampa Bay's only giving 3.5. I think it's going to be much bigger than this. I think Tampa Bay is going to route this team. Buffalo, we've talked a lot about. Are they paper Tigers? Given their wins this season, who they've beaten, then who they've lost to, as they get the medal against some of the best teams, how do they fare? This is going to be another big test for them. I find this line strange as well. Only three and a half at home. Buffalo has been struggling. I mean, they don't have Trey White. It's not the same team that it was. So A lot um, of infighting recently, it seems like, as well. Right. Uh, after, yeah. Especially after that loss against New England, a lot of reports coming out of some just some irritation there in Buffalo. Right. And the, the more I see it, I mean, the, the reporters are definitely upsetting people with the questions. I, I did see a bunch of that. But the more I'm seeing it is that I think in the modern NFL, this notion that like a player needs to be benched for the whole game because they fumbled or because they dropped a pass. Like the team does not respond well to that. They don't like it. It's especially if a guy has been on a roll. Like we saw it with James Robinson where the quarterback had to come out and say something. I mean, Matt Burita has played very well, right? He fumbles one time this week, or I'm not even sure if it ended up being a turnover, but it wasn't a clean handoff. And then they 
don't play him the rest of the game. I mean, things like that are kind of an old school mentality of coaching, in my opinion, especially when it's snowing, it's freezing. It's like you're going to everybody drops the ball every once in a while. Everyone does. Even Devontae Adams does. So for them to punish a guy that harshly or punish Zach Moss for the things that they've been doing, like those kind of things, I feel in today's game are more harmful than they are helpful. So I'm not sure I love that. And again, when you start hearing that coming from people complaining about the coaching, people complaining about things like that, like it's those decisions that the players end up not being on board with. So I can definitely feel that. In this game, I like Diggs, and I'm a man of science, a man of matchups. I didn't like Dawson Knox against the Patriots in the snow. I do like Dawson Knox in this game against the Buccaneers. So if, if you have Dawson Knox, I've always had the same stance on Dawson Knox. He needs to be rostered in every league, and you start him or don't start him based on matchups. You weren't supposed to start him last week. This is the week you do start him. You have my seal of approval if you have him. I think I have him at tight end seven this week, which puts him pretty much behind just with all the must-start guys. So Dawson Knox for me is a must-start play this week. I will have him in my DFS article as a play. Like that's He's the guy. He's a guy that in this particular setup, you got to have in there. Anybody else? Are you going Mandy Sanders? Are you going Beasley? Anything, John? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're going to throw dark throws in both of those guys, right? Maybe Beasley more than Sanders at this point, but I mean, I think they're all going to be a little bit more involved, I think. Yep. Yep. I'm 100% there with you. Gabriel Davis, if, only if you're playing the one slate because he's just not playing enough snaps. But again, all those guys, when you have a QB as talented as Josh Allen, they start figuring out that they can distribute the ball based on what they're seeing rather than just leaning on certain guys. So all those guys can be stabs if you really want them to be. And then Tampa Bay, I want to note just from the snap perspective, we saw an interesting shift with AB situation, the suspension, they shifted away from what they've been doing. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin played every snap like they always do, but it wasn't Ty Johnson playing that Antonio Brown role. It was actually Brashad Perriman a guy that has played well on this team in the past. So kind he's kind of a sneaky play now. I feel like he played so many snaps last week. He played he played 59 of 70. Perriman did. Ran 47 routes on 52 pass plays. So Brashad Perriman ran 47 routes. Gronk only ran 43 and Chris Godwin ran 49. So Perriman kind of ends up in that dart throw category, like one a name that no one's thinking about, really. I mean, maybe, maybe people are. Someone out there certainly is, but kind of interesting to me. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I've, my problem, I guess, is that we know where those targets are going, right? So it's like you don't really need to. Oh, we're talking about deep, like talking about DFS dart throw, like. Yeah, maybe, I mean, like he'll get, he'll show. probably get one or two throws, right? And then if he mm. makes it, it works. He's got four targets and then three targets. But yeah, this was the 80. He went from he. This is a 84 percent snapshot. Yeah, I know. I I would feel better if like Gronk wasn't there, right? Like yeah. I said this the other day. I forget which show it was. I think it was on the DF. I do so many shows here. Not the two my own here, but I'm on so many things here. So I think it was the famous on DFS podcast with Bender last week, uh, talking about Gronk's price. He was like 4400, I think he was, or 5K, something in that range. And I'm like, this is a player that is playing like the number one tight end in fantasy, right? Like from the moment he returned, him, him and Brady have just connected on a mm-hmm. level that he needs to be priced up there with the Kittle, with the Kelsey, and yet he keeps on being undervalued. And even this week, he's still undervalued. He's at like 5,400. Kelsey and Kittle are 6 and 7K respectively. But like <laughs> his return yeah. has just been unbelievable what it does to this offense. And Brady just loves him. And they're chasing Harrison now, Harrison and Peyton. And we know that Brady loves his records, especially when they're Peyton Manning's records. So I could see the next couple of weeks here, Gronk and Brady, their touchdown connection, just 
they're just in sync with one another. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, dude, that it wasn't even just Gronk. I mean, if you look at it, Cameron Bray is tied for sixth in red zone targets. Like, he collected many of those when Gronk was out. So, I mean, Brady just, he's liking the tight end. He loves his big tight end. And I think this is the last, it's great that we get this matchup right before playoffs because this is actually a, a tough matchup for Gronk. He faces Matt Milano. He faces a good tight end defense. If he can even put together a serviceable week, if we get four or five receptions from Gronk this week for 50 or 60 yards, then I'm starting Gronk. Like Gronk goes in that must-start category for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? He has been. I just want to see this. I mean, it's you're starting him this week anyway, right? Yeah, like, nobody's ever nobody's ever mentioned Gronk. So I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Well, what if he has one catch this week? Why well, would he? I mean, I would be stunned. But we'll see. You're right. We will definitely see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing so well, but I mean, I just like tests like this. We get to see Jordan Poyer and Matt Milano try and take away the most yeah. important weapon on the team. And we'll see if they pivot or if they just continue to go to Gronk. And if they do, then he's bulletproof. Because Brady and Gronk have never made a living beating the Buffalo Bills. That's, that's definitely, yeah. not what, it's definitely not what they've done. I think <laughs> be fine. Brady's, what, 32-3 and three lifetime against Buffalo? So That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, this is uh, his hometown team, Gronk. He likes beating them, so... And this and Brady, Tampa Bay home Brady is arguably better than New England home Brady. Like this version of Brady where it's, you know. Would you rather 07 Brady or Tampa Bay Brady 2021? I don't know, man. I mean, the numbers might actually say this Brady is just better. This Brady at home is just an absolute force. We're just delaying talking about this next game here. Uh, Sunday night football. It's Chicago versus Green Bay. Uh, Fields is going to be back for Chicago. Uh, already been announced. This is the infamous uh, matchup here. Aaron Rodgers already being asked about him telling the Chicago fans that he owns them because he does own the Chicago franchise. We know where you can play, right? It's pretty obvious on Green Bay. MVS is your number two receiver, getting a lot of targets. Adams, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, shoot, that's your team. Flip side, I guess we've been playing Mooney anyways, but maybe getting fields back is better for Mooney. I don't know. Well, the, the, I mean, it could be, but the flip on the flip side, Jair, Jair Alexander practiced today. So that could be a spooky situation for Mooney, if, especially if Allen Robinson doesn't play. So that's that's just another why. That's another reason that we'll always have jobs, John, is that the <laughs> moving parts of this stupid game is just ridiculous. It's like you love it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, well, this is happening. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, like yeah, 12, and, 12 and a half point home favorite in this one. Right. The things I said yesterday are no longer true. Like, and that happens every day. Like, it's just crazy that you have, that's why you have to stay up to date with podcasts like this, because we're going through it, giving you updates as as best we can. But it's like Jerry Alexander wasn't playing. And then out of nowhere, he practiced today. So you got to think about that guy. And I will say just real quick on the, my take on the Aaron Rodgers talking trash thing about saying, this is, I own you guys. Like I'm in favor of that. As long as it's not like, it's not like me. It's not over the top mean. It's showboy. I mean, we always like ever like you think about like Joe Namath and Babe Ruth calling a shot and Larry Bird talking trash to literally everyone. Right. It's like we look back fondly on all that. Maybe at the time people didn't like it, but I like I love that stuff as long as it's not crude or anything like that. So and I'll tell you, Michael Jordan used to talk trash to everybody. Nobody remembers the times that he talked trash and he lost. So I feel there's no harm in throwing out some fun trash talk, especially when you're winning or especially when you know that even if you lose, you can come back and win. So I'm on board with it. The people that get really upset over it, they need to take a lap. 
this is sports. It is going to be intense. There's going to be trash talk. And as like I said, as long as you're not deliberately hurting people's feelings, well, I'm for it. Yep, 100% with you there. And we'll go to the Monday night football game. We have the LA Rams going up against the Arizona Cardinals here. Cardinals to an F point home favorites, 51 and a half. Game total. Kyler Murray looked great last week. Came came back from the bye. Ran all over Chicago, literally, and threw all over them as well. Hopkins looked okay. Connor looked great. This Arizona offense is on fire. Flip side, the Rams. I mean, Sonny Michelle really looked good. You got OBJ scoring a touchdown. Van Jefferson scored a touchdown. Cooper Cup over 100 yards. Yeah, this is a great game. It's a great matchup. The Rams are easy because it's highly consolidated, right? You know what wide receivers you want. It's you know, it's right down right by the book. It's a bad matchup for Tyler Higby, so you avoid him if you can. And then the running backs, you got to play it by ear. Start Henderson because a full go. Go to Michelle probably only if Henderson is really limited. On the Cardinals side, you're definitely starting DeAndre Hopkins. I feel Zach Ertz, pretty good matchup for him. James Conner, you're obviously starting. Played 48 or 54 snaps. They don't really have anything else. Where it gets dicey is in that AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore range. If you had to start one of them, where would you go, John? I know. Probably. He he played more snaps, ran more routes than the guys. It's been pretty consistent. So I'm there with you on that, especially if it's like a half PPR or or a standard league. Like he's the one that's the best bet to get you some yards or score a touchdown. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to hold the one target against him last week. Uh, This will be a game where I think they're going to have to throw more. And we'll see. I guess Ramsey's likely going to be on Hopkins here. So it could open things up for him. Yeah, no player on the team last week ran more than 20 routes. So that's. Just forget last week. It just wasn't. It, that's not a real indication of the way this team plays. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so that wraps up our week 14 preview. As always, Coop, we end this podcast with the lifestyle tip of the week. Do you have anything for us? So I do. This one was actually inspired by you because for two reasons, really. Uh, I saw you tweeted out the link to that microphone deal, basically saying it was only 84 bucks, yep. which, you know, that's a really good microphone. So yeah, we really, bought the blue snowball. Yeah. So. Yeah. And to, to be honest, people, my, I started writing and doing this and I didn't have a microphone. Just so happened, John got a new one and he actually gave me his. That's how I started doing this. But for a long time, I sat there and people were like, oh, do you do podcasts? Do you want to come on our podcast? I would say, no, I don't have the equipment. I don't really do that. And this is, this is my advice to anybody who loves fantasy football, loves being a part of it, doing these things, is that the equipment to do this type stuff isn't that expensive? Not only that, but the amount of stuff that we do these days over Zoom for work, for for fun, for classes, like using those, like just having a basic webcam and a microphone just makes you seem more professional. It you know makes you feel more comfortable, and you just always have that option in your back pocket. If you're a fantasy football lover, like all of us kind of were in the start, me, John, anyone that does this, to be honest, just started playing fantasy football, and then. They had fun talking about it, eventually started writing about it, and then was doing this kind of thing. Like, if you're even remotely into that, I would say go out and get it. You know what I mean? Because you're going to use it. Like, we all these days, like, even after all this is done, my buddies and stuff, like, we've always been looking for a way to do remote drafts. We're going to do them on Zoom. We're going to do them on Skype. And it's just better having that. Like, it, like I said, it makes you feel good. So, John, I just want to say hey, thank you, man, for you know putting me on to this. And definitely people check out what he posted there. And, uh, John, I mean, any recommendations for the for cheap options to get started just for people? And, again, this doesn't mean you're buying this to do podcasts. Like, and that's probably the hangup for a lot of people is they're thinking, oh, I'm not going to buy it if I'm not going to do them. Like, get it because it's a piece of equipment that you're going to use throughout your life for a lot of yeah. things. 
Yeah, so I mean, from the best, the Blue is the company that makes the the podcast mics that is widely recommended within the industry. The cheapest one, which is the Blue Snowball, which is the one that I started with and the one that I gave Coop, is uh, forty nine dollars on Amazon right now. That's the starter one. It does the job for sure. It's small. It, it's, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, if you want, you can buy the arm hook up to it and all that stuff as well. But there are definitely cheaper ones out there and everybody sort of has their own price range and you can find it. But Blue is by far the best company that I've uh, read on and researched because like like you said, when I got started, I was looking for something to sound that I wasn't like down a hallway, getting rid of the echo, using the, the computer mic or the the earbud mics. And you know, this is just the best way for me to, I found to to do it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, make sure get yourself an HD webcam. Don't be using the integrated webcams in your laptops, your computers. Those things are generally trash. Buy yourself an HD webcam and get yourself a mic. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, this is right. how you kind of get the starter kit going. Right. And I'm telling you, like, what John's talking about arms and stuff. It was a running joke for the first year I was doing this because I would just take the Blue Snowball mic, which you can find new for 50 bucks or used for even cheaper, and I put it on a ironing board. And I had this ironing board next to me that I had my mic on. I would just talk into that. Like, even while I was live streaming podcasts, I would do that just to get it done. But the thing is, like, like think about if you're in, even if you're in class and stuff, like, you're going to present yourself better. If you sound better, if you look better with the, with the webcam, with the mic, like, it's, I hate to say it, but, you know, when your teachers are grading you and you are coming out sounding fresh, looking fresh, I mean... I'm not saying you're going to get better grades or you're going to look better to your boss, but you are going to look better to your boss if you care enough to get better equipment to do your job. So uh, just, you know, something out there for people you should have in your back pocket, too, because you never know. Somebody might just say, hey, you might win a million bucks playing DFS. And me and John will say, come on the Fantasy Alarm podcast and talk to us for 10 minutes. And if you have that equipment, you're available for that, you know. Exactly. So that wraps up here. Our uh lifestyle tip of the week and also our week 14 preview if you have any questions you know where to find coop and i on twitter and in the premium over on fantasy alarm dfs alarm we still are have our holiday sale going on fantasyalarm.com slash holiday uh 25 off of our annual package gives you access to 12 sports both seasonal and dfs and access to all of our premium discord channels as well where coop and i and along the rest of the staff can answer your Questions to help you guys be successful. And also on Sunday, 11 to 12, we have our live stream leading you up uh, till the 12 o'clock hour with all your inactives and start to take questions. Coop and I will be there to help you guys out and hopefully get you all into the fantasy playoffs this year. But for now, Coop and I will catch you guys later.